1: Switch. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And we're talking futures game again, this time National League, because we didn't have enough time last time. Per usual, on brand, that's what we do. Looking forward to the 4th of July as well. Uh, Wishing you all a great 4th of July. If you're listening to us maybe during your 4th of July, thank you. If not, uh, happy 4th of July Eve. Today is July 3rd. And we're getting geared up for this All-Star week. I'm so used to saying All-Star like weekend, but it's a full week now. we got the draft. We've got the Futures game. We've got the Derby. We've got then the All-Star game, which seems to almost be like my third most exciting event. I would probably go like Derby, Futures game, draft, all ahead of that, so maybe fourth. But we got the National League roster to break down, which is way more exciting, I think, than the American League side, at least on the pitcher department.
0: Yeah, I think so. We, we're getting notable prospect intrigue every single inning, it feels like, in the National League. Um, and, and the bats are comparable, too. So, like, I, I texted jokingly. I said, if if you can bet on the Futures game, uh, I'm taking out a mortgage to put it on the National League money line. Because, like, oh. the pitching is just so much better. And I don't think there's much of a fall-off here with the offensive intrigue.
1: Yeah, I, was, I wonder if they will offer that. I don't think our friends at BetMGM, by the way, use promo code JUSTBASEBALL uh, to get a bunch of deposit bonuses in general. I don't think you can bet on the Futures game, but if you want to uh, sprinkle on some all-star festivities, some home run derby stuff, use the code JUSTBASEBALL. They're the exclusive sportsbook at JUSTBASEBALL, and you'll get a ton of rewards. Uh, I think if you lose your bet, you get your money back, like all that good stuff. But we're here to talk Futures game. We're also going to get you prepped for the draft in the next episode this coming week. And then, of course, that Mariners top prospects uh, episode that we've been teasing forever now. Uh, You pointed at me, which always means you have something to say before we jump into it. Anything you got?
0: Yes. And it's always non-baseball related, right? Yes. This one, baseball adjacent 2022 Futures game participant Spencer Steer did something really cool over the weekend. Taylor Swift was in her first show in Cincinnati when Steer hit that walk-off home run for the Reds in the bottom of the 11th inning. Taylor was in her slow song portion of the programming. I think very early she starts slow. And it's disrupted by fireworks from Great American Ballpark. Spencer Steer, 2022 Futures Game participant. Bigger than Taylor Swift for about 20
1: seconds. You know that they were probably pissed about that too. Yes,
0: absolutely. Where are those fireworks
1: coming from? What is that? Um, (laughs) Steers built for it, man. Uh, That's a guy that we've talked about a ton on the pod over the last couple of years. And man, I I, I think he's got to be exceeding expectations a little bit even of what he's doing. Because I I thought high probability big league bat. But I mean, the way that he's contributing, I said like the ceiling would be kind of something like uh, what Brandon Drury was doing for them. And, and he's right there. Like he's doing what Brandon Drury was doing for them. And then maybe, and then some with some of the versatility that he brings to the table and a little bit more athleticism, but I think it's pretty much cut from the same cloth as Cincinnati Reds, Brandon Drury, which is a hell of a player with years of control and younger.
0: Yeah. Tell you what, man, I, I just spent a week watching, uh watching Christian Encarnacion strand who pumped out his 18th Homer yesterday. No V. Marte, uh, Connor Phillips. I watched his yeah. debut. Like, I mean, you continue to cycle through the talent and the talent in AAA now. Abbott looks like a freak, man. Like he is, he's a frontline guy apparently. So you've got that going on now. But yeah, I think Steer is probably exceeding expectations and he's elevating his ceiling a little bit. Um, I don't know, like with how good Steer has been, with how good McLean has been, Ellie being able to play third I just have no idea where the spot is for CES um, until after this year. So it, it's, it's a tough jigsaw to figure same with Noelvi Marte moving forward. Like where's the spot for Marte? I, I think that they have some flexibility if they do want to be buyers and they
1: can put some of the better prospects in baseball on the market again, a hundred percent. And that's the interesting thing. So as we get like transition to the roster here, CES is not on it, right, if I remember correctly. I don't Mm -hmm. remember writing up a board on CES. So (laughs) I think that's kind of telling that he's basically on standby for any moment where, God forbid, somebody goes down in in the infield, especially a corner guy. CES is the first guy up, so they don't even want to send him to Seattle because he needs to kind of be ready to go. That's my speculation. I have nothing to corroborate that. But that's kind of what when we go through this National League roster – it is a little bit telling where, like, some of the prospects that people are like, Oh, when are they going to come up with the guy that we're going to start with, Kyle Harrison? I've seen some things like, Are they manipulating his service time? This, no, they're not. He's just not ready yet. And there's no reason to rush him. And this is a team that's in win now mode. Why do you want to put a guy, which I wasn't expecting this year, but they all are? They're competing. Why are you going to bring up a pitcher with command issues who's 21 in a He's shown flashes, but why are you going to throw him to the fire there um, just because he's a top prospect? To me, it kind of tells you that Harrison is not an urgent promotion right now um and we'll get to him in a second but that's kind of part of the roster as well and part of the situation again this time you can follow along with the article that is published and i was a bozo last time and forgot to link it crazy crazy thing by the way i think within five minutes of us finishing the episode i got hit with food poisoning like it was from the meal i had right before we recorded we recorded i was sweating at the end of the recording and i was like. I was not feeling good. You, if you rewatch the end, you could probably see me like not feeling comfortable, but I didn't think it was that bad. I was down for the count for 48 hours from the second we stopped recording onward. Um, so glad we got the American League side out. Very glad we did not do the National League after because I may have like vomited on screen yeah. um, if we, we kept going in that episode. So crazy timing. Um, that was nuts. Uh, this is my first day kind of feeling like a human again. Food poisoning stinks. Uh, yeah. That was the first time I've ever had it, um, but man, that was something else. But let's go. Let's go into the National League. Number one,
0: glad you're feeling better. Number two, you literally emptied the tank for, uh,
1: oh for yeah. the call
0: up. Like you had yeah. nothing left after the call up.
1: Yeah, but- dude, it was it was something else. So I forgot. Goes without being said. I was too busy legitimately emptying my tank from the inside to be able to remember to link the uh, the. Article. The article is linked. Follow along if you'd like. Those on YouTube, they're following along with us here with the blurbs on each player. Each player. So let's start with the pitching side. You got Kyle Harrison, left-handed pitcher with the San Francisco Giants. Harrison has been a guy that I'm not putting him in the prospect fatigue bucket, but he he rose to prominence so quickly with his utter domination as an overslot high school guy. Um, you know, really right off the bat that he was just carving dudes that he, he very quickly became a top prospect because it was, Oh, high school lefty that has a fastball that is a whiff machine and a nasty slider. Okay. I'm going to start getting excited about this guy and you should still be excited about him. He's 21. As you can see in the numbers, he's striking out 15 per nine. Um, the ERA is inflated, but we don't really look at ERA too much in the PCL, especially when you're a fastball elevated fastball guy. Yeah, He's not really getting knocked out of the yard that much. Nine homers is not that bad um, for a high fastball guy in the PCL. It's the walks, Jack, and that's kind of been the story with him. He's walking 17% of batters. That translates to seven walks per nine. It's just not going to fly. The thing that frustrates me the most with Harrison is that every time I think he's putting it together where it's like, oh, wow, he hasn't walked anybody in this three-start stretch. Or when I say hasn't walked anybody, it's relative to what I'm used to with him. But you know, there was a three-start stretch to kick off June where he, I think, walked a total of six batters, punched out 19, looked really solid, and then kind of right back to it where he's given up more home runs, he's walking more guys. The home runs have started to creep back in again. I think that's what makes him nibble more but the home runs weren't an issue through the entire first part of the year. Now it's an issue. Um, so I should kind of rephrase what I said earlier, home runs weren't an issue the first half of the season, but you look at the last handful of starts, he's been giving up a lot more homers walking slightly less. I feel like he's struggling to, to toe that line of like, I don't want to leave it over the middle, but I also don't want to walk guys. He's still figuring things out. And I, I do think it was a little aggressive maybe to assign him to AAA. I know he was dominating double. So maybe hindsight's, 2020 here. That said, I'm very excited to watch this guy pitch in the futures game. He's electric and really fun.
0: For sure. And and here's to hoping that he can throw strikes in in the futures game. So, think about Kyle Harrison, two homers allowed in the first two months of the season. They both came in the same start at Reno on May 17th. After that, he's allowed at least a home run in each of his last five starts. Mm -hmm. He allowed three homers at Round Rock on June 22nd. So, yes, like, but let me give you the walk totals when he wasn't allowing those homers first two months of the season again two homers came in his uh let's see eight ninth start of the year like no homers through his first eight starts yeah so that's what i was
1: making a mental note of and then it just went to the wayside
0: yeah but through the first eight starts the walk totals four four two three four four zero three like you can't do that so I think we're waiting for one outing, and we got it, but it was only four innings on May sixth where he was four innings a one hit shutout ball didn't walk anybody. We're waiting for a consistent stretch of outings where he's not allowing the long ball and he's walking one or zero guys, and we're just gonna wait a little bit longer here, Unfortunately, he's closer to to d l Hall than you know like if we're comparing it to you know the, the Orioles situation like we were hoping that Kyle Harrison was closer to Grayson Rodriguez than DL Hall now yeah. it looks like he's closer to Hall than Rodriguez
1: yeah a hundred percent and Grayson continues to look good of, of late by the way and and you know that, that's why I thought it was kind of wild when when Farhan came out and was like yeah we're hoping Kyle Harrison's going to be a part of our rotation at some point this year like I like the optimism but I didn't see anything last year that would have told me, hey, this guy's ready to be a, a, ro- a contributor in the rotation. Um, there was flashes of it, but you could see a guy that that once he gets to the tighter zone in AAA would probably struggle even more. And then could you imagine the big leagues with, with how tight the zone is and how much more disciplined these hitters are, especially yeah. how much more disciplined they are to lay off the high fastball. So I, I'm still extremely bullish on, on what Kyle Harrison can be. He was a number 33 prospect for us going into the year. And I think we were lower on him than most of the industry. He is still a premier left-handed pitching prospect. He's 21. So this year could be lost for him, so to speak. And it's not lost because he's developing, he's learning. He's worked his pitch count up of late, which I think is interesting too. Three of his last four starts have been over 80 pitches, which he had not gone really over 80 at all before that and had barely gone over 70 through the first 10 starts of the season. Um, So he's building up, but at the same time, he's only thrown five innings once. I do think that there's a world where if the Giants are competing this year, Maybe Kyle Harrison comes up in a bullpen role. Just would be nice to get him, you know, up with the big league team, kind of get some experience, work with the big league pitching coaches. And I think he can contribute out of the bullpen. That fastball, he could just go in there and just throw fastballs, kind of like D.L. Hall did in spurts last year for the Orioles and was effective in spurts as a reliever for them. They didn't end up making the playoffs, but he might have been a good experience for him. That could be what we see with Harrison. Regardless, it's an arm that will be very fun to watch in the futures game. Um, and and is extremely talented. It's just he's going to take some patience, and hopefully he develops past the the DL Hall situation. The one thing that's good is knock on wood, not as much of the you know litany of injury history that Hall has. It's really just the command um, that he's struggling with. Yeah, another Giants lefty, uh, much different profile, and and I'm really enjoying what we've seen from Carson Wisenhunt Recently promoted to Double A, we talked about kind of his whole story very recently. Um, and and just kind of where he is at, why he fell, and why he might be one of the best steals uh, of this recent draft. I think they're managing his innings a little bit since yeah. the promotion. Um, I, I'm not totally sure. Uh, the, the first two outings in in or first four outings, excuse me, in Double A. First one, he went five innings in Altoona or at home against Altoona was nasty. Five five shutty, seven Ks. Then he pitches against Bowie, was not great there, only went three and two-thirds. Then he goes against Harrisburg. They only let him go two innings. He gave up five earned – or five runs, three earned. And then he went two innings against Redding and walked five. So I don't even know if it's an innings management thing. I think it might just be he lost the command a little bit the last couple starts. He's getting adjusted to double-A. And the number one thing for me is when you look at guys like Wiz and Hunt, which it's – Fastball 93, 94. Um, that's kind of an average pitch. Yeah. Changeup is plus and fantastic. And then he's trying to find the curveball. He just dominated guys as a fastball changeup guy in high A. Now you're in double A. It's hard to dominate guys as a fastball changeup guy in double A. You got to have something else, especially in, in today's double A. Today's double A is almost like triple A extended. And I think he's seeing that challenge now is I can't just ride my changeup to success. Guys are spinning on anything from the knees below, and that's why he's walking more dudes. I think he's going to figure it out. He's 22. He's really nasty with the changeup. The changeup numbers are off the charts. Fastball velocity is solid. He'll get there, but he's going to have to get better with the fastball command. He's going to have to find that curveball a bit more. But I'm liking what I've seen from Wizen Hunt so far in his first pro year, and he absolutely earned this uh, Futures game opportunity.
0: I, I'm going to elevate it a little bit more. I really like what I've seen from Carson Wizenhunt. And, and I feel like he is the perfect, um, he, he's the perfect, I guess, like safe profile to complement what Kyle Harrison does in the Giants system, where like Kyle Harrison, the stuff is crazy, but the, the volatility with command is off the charts. Here, Wizenhunt has this pitch ability that like you love to see from college lefties, and he had it. Um, Wizen Hunt, it's a matter of I don't know, maybe like the breaking stuff ticking up a little bit. Wizen Hunt is one of three guys that I am most excited to see throw. The other two we're gonna talk about in the next three.
1: Yeah, I the last thing I'll say is is the change up is is that Bugs Bunny changeup is here. I mean, it is just disgusting. Opponents have a 330 OPS against it with a 51% strikeout rate. Yeah, but most impressively. His feel for the changeup, like you can't really teach that. 72% strike rate on the changeup. That's God-given. Change That's, That's God-given. God God. 47% strike rate on the curveball. That's not. And and the thing Man. is, though, is I know that this dude's going to find a way to spin an average curveball, or at least I feel confident that he will. So yeah. in, in the Giant system especially as well, they've they've done a pretty good job of, of, of helping develop arms. And I know that there's been some – some frustrations of late, but I think it's gotten better overall with the system. You can teach this dude, a 6'3 lefty who has a great field of pitch, to spin an average breaking ball. And the fastball command, I think, will just come with innings. So I- I'm excited to see Hunt, and-, and he's really solidifying himself as uh, a very solid, solid arm at 22 years old. Absolutely. Another solid arm that I think is, is better than the numbers would indicate is McAble of the Phillies. Abel, 21 years old, still kind of same same as Kyle Harrison. High school arm, electric stuff. I think Abel has a, a really interesting pitch mix that gives him a chance to be a special arm, but similar to a lot of these you know, ridiculous stuff kind of guys. It's finding the feel for the rest of the secondaries. I can boil down Abel as, to as simple as this, Jack. 66% strike rate on the fastball. 58% strike rate on the curveball, 51% strike rate on the slider, and 55% strike rate on the changeup. For reference, fastball, you want to be in the mid 60s. Um, so that's fine for him. Secondary stuff, you want to be a- at the very least in the high 50s uh, or low 60s. He's not in either of those besides the curveball, which is just on the edge of the high 50s. It- it's really just that simple for Abel. Everything else, he's just fine. He's six, five. He's athletic. Uh, the stuff is crazy. He sits 97. He's special. Um, it's just secondary command. Like it is for so many big, tall, powerful high school righties.
0: Yes. And my thing with him is like, it's not often that you see a guy that opponents are hitting a buck 98 against have a four, mm-hmm. seven ERA. Like yeah. he's beating himself. If that yeah. tells you anything and, yeah. and able What fascinates me is like this guy did not allow homers last year. 23 starts, 108 innings, 11 homers. So far this year in 60 and two thirds. So a little bit more than half the inning load that he had last year. He's allowed nine homers already. That can happen to four seam guys. Yep. But for some reason, it wasn't happening last year. And it's happening this year.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's a really interesting note. Because as you were legitimately saying that, I'm looking at the hit breakdown. He's given up 44 hits this year, but 28 of them have been for extra bases. Yeah. Is that a little bit of bad luck? Maybe. Uh, is it a little bit of just getting hit hard? You know, when he does get hit, I think that's it too. So there's almost this, this no in between. It, it, it's almost like the opponent of Mick Abel. If you could call, if you could create a hitter out of all of the hitters against Mick Abel, statistically, it's a three true outcome hitter. It, yeah. Like Mick Abel, Mick Abel's opponent is a three true outcome hitter which is fine because I think he's going to take care of, of the walk outcome. And I think when you take care of that almost simultaneously, some of the extra base hit issues will go away. It's less hitters counts. It's less counts where guys are just hunting fastball. I I think that's really what it is, is the only time you're going to get to able is when you really cheat for that fastball and a hitters count and get on top of that 98 and you know, really good hitters can do that. And I think when he gets ahead, He'll be in good shape. And I think that's just something that he's not doing a ton of. If you look at all the home runs he's given up to, it's to some of the best hitting prospects in the game. So I think really? it's just guys getting ahead of him and ambushing the fastball. And I think that's got to be the scouting report is make him beat you with the pitches that he he isn't confident landing for a strike. And when you look, you know what's really funny? Look at the swing percentage by pitch, fastball swing percentage, 53%. Curveball swing percentage thirty six percent, slider swing percentage thirty five percent, changeup swing percentage forty four percent, and that's only probably because they think it's a fastball. So it, that that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Mick Abel is going to be just fine. That approach won't work when he starts spotting that secondary stuff. Then you're in trouble. Then exactly. it's then it's it's top pitching prospect in the game type stuff. He has to do it, and I, I think he will because he's so athletic. But That's pretty much the only thing missing right now. And I'm very excited to watch him. I agree. It's a matter of
0: when, not if, and it requires effort. Like it's going to require a concentrated effort. Abel actually wasn't one of those guys for me. Um, Hunt is three. I think Abel is four. But two oh. and one are the next two guys. Oh, true, 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 true.
1: I thought you were saying the next three, but I think no, that no, no. you wouldn't say that you are not excited to see Mick Abel. So, no, um,
0: I'm dreading that. I,
1: yeah, I'm <laughs> going to clo- close my eyes. It's going to suck him. watching yeah. Kyle
0: Harrison and Mick Abel. For me, <laughs>
1: <laughs> this guy I'm extremely excited to yeah. see. It's Tink Hens of the St. Louis Cardinals. And Tink is so fun. Um, it's been a really interesting development for him because you you've seen how careful the Cardinals have been with him and understandably so high school arm smaller guy really athletic but really electric arm and you know I would I would be very careful with this guy too I I would be very excited about what I've got with him here he is starting to slowly get stretched out a bit more and also the fastball velo continues to go up as the season has gone on I don't have the numbers on his last start which came um in, in Peoria against Cedar Rapids on the 29th, but his start on the 22nd against Quad Cities, he went five innings of of shutout ball, two hits, no walks, seven Ks, sat 92 with the fastball. And the start before that, he sat 97. Or sorry, I said 97.2 with the fastball. Excuse me. And the start before that, he sat 97.6 with the fastball. That's really impressive because we're, those weren't two three inning spurt. Tinkent's we've been seeing more of the four or five inning spurt Tinkent's of late aside from the last outing where he got knocked around and, and left a little early. We're seeing him kind of go deeper into starts a little bit more here. Um, this is a special arm.
0: Tinkent's was recently promoted to double a. So Hans is going to Springfield. Um, it comes after a bad start against Cedar Rapids inning in two thirds, four hits, four runs. Um, but He's been so ridiculously good every other time he's been on the Hill, man. Like, there are a couple blow-up starts that I'm looking at here. But I'm honestly just going to run through his 11 starts this year in Hyatt. Four innings, no runs. Three and two-thirds, no runs. Three innings, no runs. Three innings, four runs. Blow-up one. Three innings, three runs. Yeah, blow-up 2 Four innings, no runs. Five innings, one run. Five innings, one run. Four and a third, one run. Five innings, no runs. Inning and two third, uh, third, three earned. Yeah, like, I mean, he's got three blips. With a That's- young guy and a slight frame that is very heavily protected, three blips at eleven starts is excellent.
1: What really impresses me too is is the command because he's he's fastball heavy. It's a sixty percent usage on the fastball, but He's got a curveball, he's got a change up, and then either some pitches that might be a curveball that registers a slider or whatever it may be. But he goes curveball change up plenty. And he only walks seven percent of batters as a high school righty that's 20 years old, who's been protected. Uh, this guy has a chance to be really special. I, I'm I'm very eager to watch him pitch and I'm very eager to see how he does in double A.
0: Yeah. Twenty one innings, 20 punch outs, three walks in June. Yeah. That's gonna games. play, man. And like Sign me up. I don't think he is the meteoric rise candidate that Mason Wynn was, that Jordan Walker was, but Tink Hence is going to finish this year in double. He'll probably start next year in triple, and we could see a 21-year-old arm in the big leagues next year.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I'm excited to see how, you know, when they start to take the training wheels off a little bit more, but don't blame them for taking the time. I think that you take the Dodgers approach here with Tink Hence. Jacob Mizrowski. We've talked about him plenty with the Milwaukee Brewers, and this has to be – I talked about him a little bit earlier where I was like, this is the guy that I think uh, – my prediction on the Just Baseball show is that Jacob Mizorowski is going to go viral on on just how nasty a couple of his pitches are going to be. Pitching Ninja is going to be all over it, and people are going to say, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I, I'm, I'm already putting that one in the books. He's 6'7", 200 pounds, 21 years old, runs it up to 101, 102. And it and also as a cutter at 90 to 93, um a mid 80s sweeper, and no one knows how to categorize his pitches. So if you look at different write-ups of, of Jacob Mizerowski, you're gonna see different pitch like pitch names from I actually talked to a lot of different people to try to figure out what exactly they are, and from from some of the hitters that that faced him to a couple people in the org, the the, the consensus I seem to get is. We prepare for a low 90s cutter and a mid 80s sweeper. That's what they're telling us is coming. Um, and, and that's the scouting report. So that's what I think the movement pro- profiles are closest to. The cutter is, is comical, the sweeper is hilarious, and the fastball gets on you quick from a low release point and a long release point at six foot seven. If Mizorowski even has average command, he, he has a chance to be a frontline dude.
0: He throws weird as shit, too. Like, he's yeah. a lanky guy that uses his lank. I it's If you were to jokingly put together a creative player in MLB The Show and you made, like, super long arms and super long legs, that's kind of what Mizorowski does. And he's got so many limbs flying everywhere at any given moment. And then he comes on you from that Joe Ryan attack angle where it's low and straight at you, and it just fucking jumps. And instead of 93, like Joe Ryan or Scherzer... It's 102, and then you have that weird, whippy, lanky delivery resulting in a crazy sweeper. This guy's number one on my list of dudes that I need to see perform at the yeah. Futures game because this guy, if he is dialed in for his inning, I mean,
1: we're not going to shut up about Mizorowski. I already don't want to shut up about Mizorowski. He averages 98 with the fastball. In zone whiff across his arsenal is 35%.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so hard. Like all of a sudden, the baseball's on you. You have no idea what's coming from a hitter' perspective.
1: I, I, so I I have a couple friends that are nerds about that that still are in in pro ball that are nerds about kind of just the the release point and the the you know kind of the, I would say the drive line aspect of pitching, but just kind of of breaking down all of the, the attack angle combined with. The, the ride combined with the movement profile combined with the extension. And to them, Mizorowski is one of the biggest outliers they've ever seen. A couple of My friends that are catchers were like, almost want to be traded to the organization to catch him <laughs> just because they're like, I want to see what this looks like when you can call pitches and, and kind of, you know, receive it in different ways. Um, this guy has a chance to be a unicorn because it's really hard to teach that low VAA, especially with a six, seven guy. And especially while still getting that extension. So, I'm excited to see him from some better camera angles um, yeah. and, and to see him in person. So this is a, a special pitching prospect that the Brewers have kind of brewing here. And since his promotion to high A, he's been lights out. I, it was it, It's pretty much been strong appearance after strong appearance after strong appearance. His last two have been his worst, quote unquote, in high A, where he's given up two earned runs in each of the last two. Uh, he hasn't given up a home run all year either. So definitely has a chance to be very, very, very good. Next up is Mike Vassell. We've talked about him a little bit uh, in the Mets organization. Twenty-three years old, he's run into a little bit of of trouble in in AAA. I mean, that's kind of comes with the territory when you're a guy with a bunch of fifties. You know, most of his pitches are fifties across the board. I think the changeup is the closest to a plus pitch. It all plays up across the board uh, because of you know I think how how well he's able to re- repeat his release point. And it's kind of looks like this short arm release point where it's hard to differentiate the ball out of his hand. Um, but without anything jumping off the page, you know, he has to have that command working for him and it hasn't totally been there for him in AAA. That said, I think Vassal has a great chance of being a back end of the rotation arm. He dominated through AA this year. Um, and, and without a doubt earned this futures game appearance. And looks like, I mean, Blade Tidwell turned in a ridiculous outing the other day, 11 Ks of shutout ball. Uh, in in seven innings but him and vassal are are very clearly you know, the the two most exciting arms in the system and you know vassal is very easily the best arm in this system earning that promotion to AAA.
0: yeah so vassal i'm pulling up uh the baseball savant uh you know, just kind of like pitch breakdown of vassal because w- when he's at his best he's mixing pitches mm-hmm. right he, he's throwing everything not everything like 20 percent of the time if he's got a five pitch mix but i see Forty-four percent cutter last time out uh, against what Scranton Wilkesbury. So he was forty-four percent cutter that sat eighty-nine. He was twenty-five percent four seamer that sat ninety-three. Fifteen percent curveball at seventy-nine. Twelve percent change of at eighty-six, and mixed in a couple sinkers at ninety-three. So this guy's keeping you on your toes. This is not one of the more talented arms no. that we've got in the futures game but he is maybe the highest floor arm that we have in the Futures game.
1: That's what everybody's lining up to see is the high floors.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I, he's the Spencer steer selection of this Futures game where it's like, Hey, guys, just a ball
1: player. (laughs) He he earned earned it. it. He earned it. I'm just not that excited. (laughs) And and that's
0: the beauty of baseball, man. You can earn it in different ways. And I think that that's the best part about Vassal. Like, he may throw directly before or after Mizorowski and those two pretty <laughs> more every, different. That,
1: that's what I'm going to get my uh, chicken tenders. I think, but no if offense, throws, to Mike Vassel, but I'm I'm
0: going when Yasver Zulueta throws.
1: Yeah, you know, that uh, that's very true. That's very true. Um, a guy that I think most people might not think are like would be an exciting arm to watch, but I think is is Spencer Schwellenbach. He's a really interesting story. He's a two way player and like a legitimate two-way prospect out of Nebraska. He barely pitched at Nebraska, which is the crazy part, uh, but was running it up to the upper 90s, and the Braves saw something. When the Braves see something in, in those guys outside of the first round, they always drill it. They always nail them. And Schwallenbach, if you graduate, quote-unquote, A.J. smith Shaver, Schwallenbach looks like the best pitching prospect in the system. Fastball is sitting mid-90s up to, to the upper 90s. I think he's flirted with triple digits this year, but I think mostly he's topped out at, at the 98 range. Um, and, and he spots it. I mean, he really commands the fastball well. You see the athleticism on the mound as a two-way player uh, with the way he's able to repeat his mechanics. The slider's good, and the changeup's are work in progress. But Schwellenbach recently promoted, I believe, to high A, right? And um, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw he was promoted to high A, but I might be wrong about that. Regardless, he has been light out this year. Uh, especially as of late in low A. Yes, he's older for low A as a 23-year-old, but he underwent Tommy John surgery uh, shortly after the draft and you know is, is really early in his development as a pitcher, as a two-way guy. He's off to a fantastic start, and I think he's going to make up for lost time.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if he's been promoted to high A yeah. or not. He hasn't appeared in high A yet, which is Rome. But uh, no, nah, man, like he's been awesome so far in, in uh, low A with Augusta. I would like to see a college arm a little bit higher than Loe, but I mean, there's just no, there's so much tread on the tires pitching wise. Like, you got to see what you got, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, Schwellenbach is like an interesting one where he doesn't, he's not going to have the sex appeal of, you know, the Tink a and the Mizorowski. Like, he's going to be closer to Vassal, but knowing the backstory, it's going to be interesting to watch
1: Schwellenbach. Yeah. So I just, just double check. Definitely was not promoted. Don't know why I made that up. Um, I'm a fraud. But the um, <laughs> you no, the, the know one why. thing I'll, I'll say is, you know, in my mind, for what it's worth, like you could tell me if this is stupid, he's almost not a college arm to me because he was a two-way guy through like not that many innings, I think mostly in short spurts in one season uh in college. And so, and then gets the Tommy John. So while he's older in terms of age. I feel like he's early in his development, so I'm I'm willing to kind of make an exception to him being a 23 year old in LA. Of course, I want to see him in high A and against against better competition, uh, but I think all things considered, you got to be really excited about it because beyond the results, the stuff looks really good and the numbers look really good. Yeah. Patrick Monverde. Um, Mar- Miami Marlins send this guy, and you know what? This is another guy that just straight up earned it. You you can't take anything away from him. I keep waiting for Montverde to, to slow down in the Southern league as, you know, some of these guys that were really benefiting from, you know, the tact baseball have kind of slowed down a little bit as there's, I've heard that some different baseballs have been mixed in there. Uh, Hitters have started to adjust kind of knowing what the baseball is going to do now, as you get used to it and compile 200 plate appearances in this, you know, Guinea pig league. But Montverde's faced pretty much the same teams. Like, it's a rotation. If you go through each of his three starts, it's like Montgomery, Biloxi, Birmingham, Montgomery, Mississippi, Bir- Birmingham, Tennessee, Mississippi, Biloxi, Montgomery, Mississippi, Tennessee, Montgomery. Like, that's what the Southern League does to you. There's only a handful of teams. And nobody is really adjusted to him. His, he's had one blow-up start this year of six earned runs against Mississippi at Mississippi. But since then, like, it, it's really – the, the worst starts he's had has been three earned runs and then two earned runs. Other than that, it's been one earned run or no earned runs. He's been lights out. And in his last outing at Montgomery, a very, very solid lineup, the Rays A affiliate, seven innings, one run. It was unearned one walk, five case. Jack, I, th- I know it's low 90s. I know he sits 90 to 92, but like. Are you starting to believe in the twenty-five-year-old Patrick Montverde? And you, you got to give the Marlins credit; like they develop arms, and it looks like this might be a, a Marlins success story here.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, the fact that you know we published this article and his ERA drops twenty points after that with that seven, you know, quote so he's sub two now. He's sub
1: to He's one nine three. Like I know it's the Southern League, but like a one nine three in in Double A is a one nine three in Double A
0: a one nine three and double a with opponents hitting a buck 85 against you and a whip under one. Um, so he's not beating himself by walking guys if the whips under one, uh, opponents are not squaring you up at all. And yeah, like, I think this is a guy that has, um, beaten the, uh, beaten the allegation era, uh, <laughs> beaten the, uh, beaten the, you know, tacked baseball allegations. Yeah. So, I can I can appreciate what Mont is doing, and I, I'm starting to think this is more of a success story with the Marlins' pitching development than it is, you know, like oh, a guy like Pat Mont is good with these tack baseballs.
1: So, I, I agree, and and I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is the cutter, uh, because everyone's like oh, he's he's 90 to 92, whatever, but the shape is good, but the the cutter at 86, you can have a lot of success if you spot that cutter at 86. Then he's got the change up off of that. Then he's got the curveball off of that, which is kind of a fringy pitch, but it but it, it's it's that's the fourth pitch. Spotting the cutter that helps you versus lefties and righties. He's comfortable throwing it to both. Changeup is a good pitch against righties. He's got a bunch of different ways he can kind of get at you, and, and he's not gonna be fun to watch. <laughs> but this is a guy, another guy that earned it, not that fun, but earned it and definitely deserves the uh the the press. What I will say is I think the Marlins want him. There's another guy that I think they want to get some press for because yeah. I think he's a trade chip. I do. And uh, the Marlins are probably buyers and I, I, I can see them kind of dangling Montverde as, as somebody in a package here. And I know he's older at 25, but that's that's a guy that if he's a secondary piece in a package, I'm not upset about getting him. I, I I'd be pretty interested in what he's doing.
0: For sure. And and he can get your fan base on board too, because I think baseball fans will look at a sub two ERA and double A and be like, damn, man, this guy can pitch.
1: Yep. hundred percent. Last pitcher before we get to the hitters is JP Massey. (laughs) This is, this was a uh, kind of an unexpected player, I guess to be in here with the Pittsburgh pirates, good numbers overall. Um, I, I didn't really know much on Massey before this year you can see my blurb is pretty short on him. It's <laughs> yeah. a seventh round pick in the 2022 draft. He does have a five pitch mix. It's another guy that it's like kind of 45s to fifties across the board. The curveball is his best pitch. That's probably closest to a 55 pitch, but he doesn't command it that great. Massey's a decent arm. He's six, five, he's athletic. You know, he's put up good numbers this year, but it's kind of like a pirates mail it in thing with, with one of the options that the next option we get to the hitters is really good, but um, yeah, just, just not the, not the best option in the world, but you know, it's exciting for him, you know, and strikeout numbers are, are decent. I'm excited to get
0: my very first look at JP Massey. <laughs> That's a guy that I haven't watched throw in Bradenton or Greensboro. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. The numbers are good. So we'll, we'll see what JP Massey entails.
1: So right before we get to the hitters, I want to remind people, by the way, we're going to be out at all-star weekend. Um, and We're working with eBay to bring you a lot of fun coverage of the entire all-star week, um, including we're going to be doing something during draft day. It's going to be kind of a a watch party with eBay, and it's going to be an eBay trade night. And I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are big-time collectors uh, that love the hobby. We're going to be at Gantry Public House. I think I said that right. It's G-A-N-T-R-Y. Gantry gantry public house uh that's mlb draft night sunday july 9th we'll be out there it's going to be a ton of fun i think kind of an hour before or two before the draft and then all the way through the draft we'll be there i'm bringing a bunch of my cards i know a lot of other people are going to be bringing stuff we're going to have a little trade night there with ebay and then of course be covering the drafts having fun with that and just hanging out with whoever is just baseball audience, maybe eBay audience, maybe uh, you you just stumbled upon us on YouTube and you're going to be there. Come on by, come say hello, come check out some baseball cards. You don't have to have baseball cards to come to the trade night. You can come and, you know, either just browse through some people's collections. That's always fun. People love to kind of show you what they got Um, or you could buy some cards. Uh, So it'll be fun. If you have no interest in the, in the cards, come hang out and watch the draft with us regardless. So we'll be at Gantry public house on Sunday, July 9th, breaking down the draft. We also have some draft coverage for you coming very soon, but looking forward to that and come hang out with us. If you're in Seattle. Yeah, no, it's going
0: to be awesome. I see, uh, I see jello shots are there. So if you want to get crazy, have a jello shot and then chat with cards. Um, It's right next to Lumen field, which is the home of the uh, Seahawks. And, you know, if you walk, if you're walking down the third baseline towards the left field foul pole, keep going like a block and Gantry public house is right there. Heard. It's a great spot for Mariners pregame. Um, so, you know, like that's a good area to be in and like, Hey, if you, if you want to pop in there, um, we'll be, we'll be right in the middle of all the happenings in Seattle. So come say hi, come chat prospects with us. Uh, if you want to look at, at the cardboard, go ahead and look at the cardboard as well. Don't, don't ever call
1: it that. That's like Rob Manfred calling it a hunk of metal. If you want to look at the wax, go ahead. (laughs) The wax. I know it's actually funny. Like what now you can call it cardboard. I think there's a lot of like cardboard Like play on words type of things, like cardboard connections or whatever. I think we had a cardboard consultants thing for a little while. So yeah, uh, yeah. So come look at the expensive cardboard. Although I don't know if this is like cardboard, but also this will be for sale there. Any Jared Kelnick fans? I'm selling this. It's gonna hopefully pay for pay for my Ubers around there. I've
0: got ungraded Bowman base John Kentsi Noel and George Valera that I will be bringing.
1: Electric. (laughs) electric. If anybody
0: wants one for two bucks.
1: Let's get into the position players. And a guy that you've seen up close and personal of late is, is Andy Rodriguez. He earned his, his futures game nod last year, but yeah. he's been fine this year. He's much better than fine. Um, I'll kind of leave the floor to you. He was our minor league hitter of the year this there last year. He was our number 21 preseason prospect overall. He's not going to fall. Like he's probably just going to kind of stick there. Maybe a couple elite prospects jump over him. I'm still extremely bullish on him. He still deserves to be in the futures game, and he's still extremely talented. What have you seen that have has kind of limited him from being the world domination endie so far this year?
0: Yeah, I guess the juice is just not where I was expecting it to be. And like his 105s, 106s, they're not elevated in the way that I think they were last year. Um, he, he's tapping into consistent like 104s, 105s. Problem is – they're hot shot singles that one hop the right fielder or they're doubles. Um, he has pumped five out. Each of the five have been pretty majestic, to be honest. Um, <laughs> like, I appreciate that he doesn't K. But I think that there are some moments where Andy will make contact with a B-sweet. He's got a really good hit tool. He's got an excellent hit tool for a catcher. Yeah. And I think as you get up the upper levels that can start to be exposed a little bit. We, yeah. We've talked about it with, like, really good hit tool guys almost, like, not having the production numbers because they're making contact with pitches that they don't want to be making contact with. And I've seen a lot of that from Andy Rodriguez. What I have it, seen is, is a guy that commands himself really well defensively, and I, I think I said it on the last episode, like, that dude passes the makeup charts of flying colors.
1: Yeah, we're hoping a link with him out there, and, and I mean, that would be... I've heard nothing but fantastic things even before you know, before you got to meet him. And of course, if he passes the Jack McMullen character test. Because I hate people. Yeah. yeah and you and your, your your high horse over there. Like if, yeah. if if you think he's a good guy, then like this guy must be like getting his work in 24-7. He must shake everybody's hand. He must be a fantastic dude. Um no, but I was really curious for your take. I have not done the full like there's you know when I want to Dive into what's wrong with a player or what's going on. I I will watch legitimately 150 at bats and then I'll text you like while I'm going through all the at bats, kind of my takeaways. I haven't done that yet with Indy, but some of the 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 quick takeaways for me: home run to fly ball rate way down. That was kind of expected because you go from Altoona and some of the other environments to to Indy. How does Indy play?
0: Super pitcher friendly. 418 to left center. It's 405 to right center.
1: So I don't have the the ballpark uh, factors that baseball America puts together in front of me, which by the way is fantastic and, and really is an important context, everything. I really think that's playing a part in it. And I think when he gets yeah. to the big leagues, it, he'll be somewhere in the middle of that 8% home run to fly ball rate is, is just not what you would expect. Uh, last year it was 19%. And for those that may not be familiar with the number, it's literally what percentage of your fly balls are leaving the yard. You want to be in the 14, 15% range. For a guy like Andy, you can even be in the 10 to 12% range because he's such a hit tool guy. His exit velocities are up to, to your point, though, Jack. A lot, a lot of 104s, 105s. His launch angle is not that different. His ground ball rate's not that much higher. It seems like a lot, maybe a lot, a little bit of some weaker fly balls, like you mentioned with the B swings, and then a you you, you compound that with a more cavernous outfield. And all of a sudden you have this compounding home run limitation. And I think that's all it really is. So one of those things will kind of get taken care of as he gets to the big leagues. The other thing is going to get taken care of as he racks up more at bats. He just turned 23, not concerned about any Rodriguez whatsoever.
0: No, me neither. And uh, this is a proximity guy. So, you know, like is he in Seattle? Is he in Pittsburgh? It's it's like you hold your breath every single day, not knowing what's going on. Cause they're still running out hedges and delay
1: every day, which is crazy when they have Henry Davis who can, probably catch decently and you know, he can swing yep. it next up is one of my favorite catching prospects in baseball. I think that's basically become the, the, the thing I say before his name every single time, uh, Jefferson Caro, Milwaukee Brewers. He's going to be one of the biggest risers on our top 100. He was a preseason number 95 for us. And I think we were, we're the only people that had him on a top 100 list before the season. And I think a lot of people are really excited about him and, and putting him on list now. And understandably so it's, it's plus tools on both sides of the ball, Extremely aggressive hitter, but has not had any issues with hitting enough. Despite that, this is a 20 year old in the Southern League who's chasing at a 38 percent clip, but he's only striking out at a 17 percent clip and somehow is walking at a 10 percent clip. So really aggressive early in the count and then kind of works his way and, and, and is a battler with two strikes, hits the ball hard, 106 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity puts the ball in play, though there's an above average hit tool there. And the defensive skills are really impressive. This guy has a chance to be one of the more well-rounded catching prospects in the game. And I think he could be a really solid big league catcher. I'm so pumped that he's at this game.
0: Yeah, uh, Jefferson Caro's OPS is 150 points higher than Edgar Carrow's OPS. And Edgar is 20 years old in A. Jefferson is 20 years old in A. Now, Jefferson has a really talented roster around him. Uh, Edgar is the focal point of each lineup that he's in for rocket yeah. city Jefferson. I guess you're prepping for that Chorio guy. Um, but like,
1: yeah, but like, honestly, yes, but Jefferson Caro is doing more damage right now.
0: Yeah. So no, I, I'm, I'm drunk on the Jefferson Caro Kool-Aid much like you are. I, when I see a sub 20% K rate from a catcher that I know is a good defensive catcher, I'm 12 pumps. Yeah, I'm salivating, dude.
1: Yeah, and and I know he plays in a hitter-friendly environment, but I, you look at the home runs, it's not all – if they were all pull-side like Jackson Reitz. Like Jackson Reitz had perfected the – hit it into the jet stream and Biloxi thing. Jackson uh, with no C. Yeah, it, it's not the case with Caro. He uses the whole field. He hits the ball hard, and, and I'm really excited about this guy. The craziest thing with Caro, too, is he's continuing to, to cut that chase rate down. I just pulled the last 20 games which this is this is getting me even more drunk on the Kool-Aid. Last 20 games for Carroll, chase rate cut to 27%, which is just about 10% lower and over that span, 18% walk rate, Jack, 11% K rate. He's slashing 324-443-493 in that span. If he just now figured out how to, you know, be a little bit more patient and improve those swing decisions, which it looks like I've seen a guy that's walking almost twice as much as he strikes out now, like Caro might be getting better as we're watching, and he could finish this year in Triple A before he turns twenty-one. I,
0: I mean, it's so hard to like look at a catcher and say, "Yeah, you're going to debut before you can legally drink," but hey, that's that's what
1: those numbers say, don't they? He's getting close. I think he finishes in Triple, and then next year. Might have a chance to, to make it out of camp. If he doesn't, then starts in triple and earns a promotion pretty quickly. The, the last thing that was missing was the chase rate. He cuts that, and now we're seeing him walk at a nearly 20% clip and still pulverize baseballs. He's also keeping the running game at bay. He's thrown out nearly 40% of base stealers. Like I could do a whole episode on Jefferson Carroll. I did a thread on him before the season. I, we'll, we'll save it for another time because I could actually talk about this guy all damn day. Yeah. Dalton rushing, the last catcher, the National League catching situation is awesome. I, both, both catching situations are awesome. Baseball is in a really, I think, in a catching renaissance right now. And I know rushing may not stick behind the dish. We'll see. But people said that about Will Smith, and then they, he made it work, and now he still rakes. Like Rushing's kind of similar. The bat leads the way, but he's athletic enough to maybe figure it out as a catcher. He's been awesome for the Dodgers, uh, high A affiliate offensively and kind of gets better at the, a little bit catching wise, but he's, he's played a fair amount of first two. They, they really love the bat here. And and I, and I don't blame them. That's kind of what the calling card is. And rushing has been phenomenal since he started professionally. It's just been mashing since the word go. Somebody's got to move.
0: Um, it's not going to be Will Smith. Like I think Will Smith is a prime extension candidate for, for the Dodgers, but like, like, Either rushing or Kartaya. I think Kartaya may still have, I guess, a bit more intrigue just because I think he has more name.
1: value potentially. Potentially, maybe not. Actually, he's hitting one ninety seven.
0: Like rushing should make the Dodgers feel good about moving Kartaya.
1: Yes, yes. Which is because, crazy because Kartaya is not that that true two way guy that I think people were hoping he'd be. He's kind of gotten thicker and doesn't move quite as well. The power's there, but I've always thought the power was overrated with Cartaya. You'd be selling low, but maybe you're not selling at the bottom. He's 21. Like he's got plenty of time to figure it out. I would way rather move Cartaya than rushing, which is crazy. Um, You know, if you said that before the year, I think people would have got mad at you. Um, Rushing has earned this. I think that he is kind of becoming – one of the better prospects in a very good Dodger system, and I think there's a high chance we see Cartaya moved. Rushing is is awesome. I'm interested to see if he squeezes in behind the dish. Same with Soderstrom; they're kind of in the similar boat here in yeah. this game. But I'm, I mean, everyone's there to watch rushing hit, not catch. But I, I kind of I kind of want to watch him catch a little bit too.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm curious who's going to be displaced because we know that Jefferson Carroll is going to catch for the National League um andy's been playing some first base rushing may play some first base or dh not sure um i i think andy slap him at first and have rushing catch a little bit yeah. in this game i would love to see that the the thing the one thing that is so clear that like dalton rushing is too too good for high a yeah with
1: that he was too 4- good for low A last year he had 424
0: Yeah, with that 440 OBP and that 20% walk rate, that tells you that like this guy is bored during some plate appearances because he's not getting anything to hit. When he does get something to hit, it's too easy to hit because he has that 940 OPS. So I understand that Cartier is the everyday guy in Tulsa. You may have to look at a timeshare situation in AA because High I think you're wasting his time if he's back in Great Lakes after the All-Star break.
1: And you move somebody, then you, you got a little bit more space. But, yeah, I, I do feel like rushing's kind of been slow-rolled a little bit. hit 424 with eight homers in 28 low-A games last year. He's pulverized high-A this year. And he's running a 15% chase rate. So, it, to me, it says, like, these takes are easy for him. He's not really being pushed. You can point towards a strikeout rate, but I really think it's just because he's kind of Edward Julianing it and just going deep into counts and saying, I'm not going to, like, expand the zone to expand the zone. And he's getting his. So, yeah, he's striking out a little bit, but I'm not really worried about the strikeout rate. Eighty one percent zone contact. He he just can hit. He hits yeah. the ball hard. He's going to be a top 100 prospect in our update just on the bat alone, whether yeah. he sticks behind the dish or not. I got to do a little bit more digging, but very, very exciting prospect there for the Dodgers and a nice snag from Louisville again. They, they seem to turn out the catchers, whether they stick there or not. Will Smith, Henry Davis, Dalton rushing. That yep. works. That plays. Yep. That does play. Jordan Lawler, as we get to the infield, Arizona Diamondbacks prospect, who has really been coming alive of late, uh, not even 21 yet. And has just been playing great. It, he's been fun to watch. I think he's stolen four bags in his last two games. So he's starting to really add that into his game a bit more, which is fun. And, I mean, Lawler's a guy that you're going to stop what you're doing to go watch and uh, entered the season as a number 12 prospect in baseball has given us no reason to to drop him down. Yes, he's in a hitter friendly environment. But even despite that, 105 WRC plus is fantastic when you're a 20 year old in that environment. 24 bags, 10 home runs, 11 percent walk rate, 24 percent K rate, uh, slightly below that. Actually, it's 23.6. And he's had a pretty low Babbitt this year, which extremely low for a guy of his speed. So you could point towards some bad, batted ball luck, which is even more nuts. Lawler's a special talent. There's not much else we can that we're gonna tell you that you don't know about this guy already.
0: So Jordan Lawler, two twelve in April with an eight twenty OPS. He was hitting the ball into the gaps and out of the ballpark. In May, he hit a buck eighty eight with an OPS under six hundred. In June in twenty two games, he hit three oh two with a nine oh four OPS. So yeah, that pretty, tells pretty you good. that he's heating up big
1: time. Yep. Yeah, exactly. The zone contact over his last 30 games is 88%. So he's also found a way to just more consistently make contact. He's not whiffing on fastballs. He's actually been pulverizing fastballs over the last 30 games, hitting 400 against heaters. So uh, this is a guy that's figured out how to just be quick to fastballs, doesn't miss them, and everything else, the swing decisions have been better against secondary stuff, and that'll give you much better numbers across the board. I'm very excited about what Lawler's doing. Have you seen the lefty righty splits? On the year he is yeah, he he's hit, He's hitting near 400 against lefties. Small sample size 45 plate appearances, but 385 444 692 against lefties this year, like that that'll play. But against righties, he's really struggling, man. Yeah, that is interesting. 212 315 394. Um I I think that was really just quality breaking balls right on right that were giving him some trouble. And again, the swing decisions improving against secondary stuff helps a ton. Last 25 games, 861 OPS against righties. But it seemed like those hard sliders right on right against upper level competition were we're probably affecting him a bit.
0: Yeah, I I can't wait to make a sweeping decision about Lawler versus Meyer as soon as I watch both of them in person.
1: In the Futures game off off of two at-bats.
0: Yeah, two at-bats. I'm just going to decide who I'm riding with for the rest of my life.
1: Next guy, Ryan Bliss, who (laughs) his teammate. In, in double a this dude is not slowed down no, it's, it's crazy because you're not seeing anyone pay much attention to him he's 23 he doesn't come with like a ton of pedigree though he was i believe a second round pick if i'm not mistaken when was he drafting second round yeah i mean bliss is playing ball like well when are we going to start giving him some more love probably not going to play shortstop definitely looks like more of a second baseman but he is not slowing down and whether that is literally on the base paths you can motor or with the power 12 homers um he's sitting 350 in double a this year bliss is fun and it's becoming increasingly more difficult to deny this is where i love the futures game because this guy might not be a household name people not might not be going to see ryan bliss but they'll come away and say shit that ryan bliss guy was really good and now he's on your radar 26 bags 12 pumps He's been he's been one of the breakout prospects of the year after kind of a meager season in high A last year.
0: Yeah, so Bliss was really good at Auburn in 21. 50 games he hit 365 of the 1082 OPS. And Bliss was, you know, this great blend of you know stolen bases and pop. He had 15 homers in those 50 games at Auburn. And then he gets in a pro ball and he's fine. He hit like 270 at a 780 OPS in a couple of hitter friendly environments. Then he goes to Hillsboro last year and like is not that good. He looks like, you know, a college bat that's holding down an everyday spot and he's a fine seven hitter. Like it resulted in a 640 OPS. Like it was not good. But this year he's totally turned the page. And I think if he had a good year in high A last year, we're. The casual baseball fan is a bit more excited to the casual prospect follower because, like, the casual baseball fan doesn't know Ryan Bliss, but the casual prospect follow- follower, like, knows Ryan Bliss and is excited to watch him in the futures game. I think you should get really excited to watch this guy in the futures game because he has a previous track record of success. Yeah. But not like this. And in double, like, this is crazy.
1: I, I think, you know, just watching Bliss, it's, it's a, it's a, athletic swing it's a flat swing and he like he'll get down to a knee to get to a ball he'll spin off one and like kind of fight it off like, he's he's one of those guys that i don't think any of the underlying numbers are gonna love him all the time but you just can't kind of you can't totally quantify his ability to find the gaps and put the bat on ball and just his some b swings are like oh that, that's hurting you sometimes guys just they're able to get off swings that work and and they find the gap he shoved it up the Tulsa drillers you know what this past last four or five days he he, I think he has six hits in four games several for I think four for extra bases against the Tulsa drillers which nobody does and five Uh, bags and five bags he is he he gets these swings off where you're like doesn't look that pretty but it's a line drive in the gap Ryan Bliss is one of those guys where you don't really teach the way he hits, but it works and you don't change it. And I think that that's part of the reason why he's overlooked. And I'm very pumped to see him in the Futures game. I want to get an in-person look at him because I've really enjoyed the video on him. He's a fun watch. And, and I'm starting to buy in more and more on what he's doing. I really am.
0: Can I just say I'm so excited to like sit next to you and make all these crazy claims like every single ball in play for the Futures game?
1: Can I tell you I'm dreading that?
0: no you're gonna love it you're gonna have a great no,
1: time. i'm looking forward to it. i mean i already did that with our good friend peter you don't think peter was making any sweeping claims when we were watching the Futures game together no <laughs> shot
0: no he was very calculated and subdued i'm sure he's like gotta see more but it was like one fastball and he's like god oh, that's
1: the best player i've ever seen <laughs> i don't blame him with cape cavalli it was like the first fastball was like 101 it was like it looked like he threw it underhand it was so effortless and Peter's like, why is that not the number one prospect? <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's always fun watching. And that's why I love the futures game. It gets people pumped. Yeah. Jackson Merrill is a guy that I talked about on the just baseball show, shortstop with the with the San Diego Padres org, that he could go 0 for three in this game with three ground outs, and people are going to fall in love with him because everything he does looks great. He's cut from that Marcelo Meyer cloth where he's just smooth as hell. But he's, I think, even more advanced bat to ball wise doesn't have the quite the power and doesn't lift as much as meyer but he's already kind of showing that and starting to do it high school guy 20 years old just turned 20 missed half the year last year with an injury so still very young in his development and the bat to ball skills are just phenomenal for a 6-3 left-handed high school bat he's starting to get rolling here jack He's, he's hit a lot more home runs of late. His last 30 games, OPS of 846, hitting over 305. What stands out to most, the most to me, 13% K rate this year is really remarkable for a young shortstop in high A. As we're recording this, three consecutive two-hit games, three home runs in his last three games. Um, it's starting to come together, and there's power projection here for him. Like, he still has room to fill out. He is very athletic he's become one of my favorite prospects in baseball and he he's got a shot to be a top prospect in baseball uh by the time he debuts 90 percent zone contact is crazy too yeah i was
0: texting um the voice of fort wayne john nolan about jackson merrill and and he had nothing but like really good things to say about merrill makeup great and like i love getting the makeup report from guys that are around him every day so makeup great um you know i i think that he was a little shocked by the slow start. I think Merrill was a little shocked by the slow start, but it's cold as shit in Fort Wayne in April. It, man. It's,
1: it's one of the hardest places to hit. We talked about that. You were, you were surprised like, even to the degree that park factors, it was.
0: Yeah. Cause I watched right Johnny to, Holmes uh, and Augustine Ruiz go nuclear.
1: Yeah. It was right next to the worst Florida state league stadiums, which is for, crazy. for hitting. It was, I think the only worst one was Jupiter where the Marlins play spring training, which is, Cavernous as hell and in Florida where it's humid and the ball goes nowhere.
0: Yeah. No, I mean bad ballpark plus crappy weather will equal not the best version of Jackson Merrill. Plus under challenging Florida.
1: level for a 19-year-old who missed a ton of the year last year.
0: Yeah, but no man, I'm I'm bought in on what Merrill's doing, and and I think everybody around him watching him every day is bought in on what Merrill's doing. He seems like a guy that um, you know, I, I think you mentioned it the other week, like he could go over two. And we'll still walk away like Merrill's good.
1: That's what I. That's what I was just saying. Like he's gonna go for three, and everyone's gonna love him. But no, I, I could see him showing up on this on this stage, and especially he's riding it so hot into this game. He would probably be my pick for like player of the game, you know, or MVP of the game because of how hot he is right now. If he keeps this rolling, like it, it's he's gonna have the momentum going right in there. Very pumped <laughs> to see Meryl on that stage. Gotcha. Noemi Marte, you just saw. Um, he just got promoted and uh, made his triple a debut in, in Indianapolis. And you, you saw a couple of two hit games. He's starting to settle in nicely, including the last game where two for four with a triple he's punched out, but I, I think that's, he's going to get comfortable it, Whiff is not a huge concern for me. It's more approach. And uh, the approach has gotten better as the years gone on. Where are you at on, on Marte and kind of what you've seen over the last few games?
0: Yeah. I mean, I see a guy that is really young in AAA. I don't think that he's the guy that's like do up next. Um, I don't
1: No, he needs. A, I think he needs a full year.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think that he'll finish this year and like, he'll need, you know, good part of next year in Louisville too. I think he's going to be a Louisville bat for a while. Marte, like, he has been badly beaten by a couple of right on right breaking balls off the plate away. He's been beaten by left on right like sinker or changeup that's like not that good either, like yeah. 89, 90 mile an hour sinkers that are off the plate. I think he's he's swing happy when things are off the plate away to him. Yeah. Um I've also seen him pull up on a couple of balls at third base. I see the talent. He's made a couple of really nice plays on like slow rollers. He's barehanded, he's got a really strong arm. Third base is his future home. But he's got shit that he needs to iron out. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to to see him on full display because I, I, I have seen him pump a ball, I think 102, 103, to right center. And it's really impressive. And I have seen him make a couple really impressive plays defensively. But there's been, like, you've got the good and you've got the bad. I need to not see the bad. I need to see the good and the average. And that's a major nope. league baseball player
1: and he's 21 in triple a, and this is the time to work through all of those things. But the things that you mentioned, those are some of the approach frustrations is out and around often, you know, which you you can pick apart guys that are trying to go pull side and yank everything by being a lefty who, you know, kind of goes working away from you or being a righty who throws something breaking away. He's going to learn to kind of stay inside of it and drive it the other way. He started doing that a little bit more. And um, this is the best prospect in the red system though. Right. I, is that still your takeaway? Um, he's twenty-one. Yeah. Like Christian Encarnacion, like he's got a lot of time to get to Christian Encarnacion's strand territory.
0: He's, yes, he's got a ton of time to get to CES. Um, and, and Phillips really struggled. I, yeah, I think Marte is number one.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think people, including us, maybe a little bit, uh, but people were a little too harsh on Marte probably going into this year. He made quick work in double a, and this is going to be a good challenge for him to develop. It's so clear that he's a freak athlete too. Exactly. Exactly. And it's also clear that I think he can be a solid third baseman, which it's going to take reps, but he's just got to keep playing there. Yeah. Brady house is a guy that I think I, I I have been probably lower on than a lot of others and more wrong on by being low hurt last year, which I didn't really know. And and I think it made its way into a swing and now he's healthy. It was like a back thing. There were some other ailments. And um, from what I've been able to gather, he, it was really affecting him last year. Now the nationals former first round pick number 11 overall in 2021, he's got nuclear this year, man. He's hit a home run 113 already. uh, As he's just turned 20, he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He's lifting the ball more. He's made the move to third full time, which is where he belongs. But he is murdering high-A competition. He's hitting the ball really hard at 106.5, 90th percentile exit velocity. 81% zone contact is more than enough. He's starting to lift them ball more consistently. Still has the propensity to roll over. Still a little aggressive. But for a guy who just turned 20, that's de- demolishing high-A. Brady is a top 100 prospect, and I was way too hard on him. Um, this is a really good pat. This is a really good talent. It's not just you,
0: Doug. Like, you look at any top 100 list, and Brady House was not on it coming into this year because he was unavailable, and when he was available, he was not good last year. So, like, you can't knock yourself because everybody jumped off that train, but 300 with that level of juice, this guy's also kind of built like a brick shit house. Brady yeah. House. Is. So, you can appreciate the sturdy 300 bat. Uh, and, and I, the Nats have something good cooking in the system. Is it, you know, a development front? No. But is it IDing, you know, solid answers both in the draft and via trading a generational talent? Yes.
1: He's much better than Elijah Green. Okay. Yeah. So that's that they did better on the Brady House pick than Elijah Green. Yeah. Um, it, they did I,
0: good. they did good on Jake Bennett.
1: Yes. It's. I don't know. I. I, I got to do like a full like audit of their system and figure out where I stand on. Like it's not great, but they hit on some. It's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. It's hard to miss on a Juan Soto trade. You just say, give me all of your best prospects. Hassel's been really struggling. Um. So it's it's interesting. They don't develop great, but House looks like a success story. Whether you want to give all that credit to House or uh, maybe a little bit with the Nats. Uh, when I was on the Nats backfield, though, I did like. They, they, they've overhauled the prospect development side of things. They have some new people there and farm development side of things. And I liked what I saw there. Uh, one thing that I wanted to know, remember when I said, nobody said a home run off of Jacob Mizrowski. Yeah. Brady house hit an oppo double 408 feet off of Jacob Mizrowski. That's the furthest hit ball of the year off of him. And that should be gone like anywhere. I have no idea why that didn't leave the yard based wow. on where the nationals play. It would have been gone by about 25 feet where it was hit. So Brady House could easily be the only guy that would have hit a home run off of Mizrowski this year. Eesh, how about it? Naz Nunez checks in for the Marlins, middle infield, field, electric athlete, steals bags with the best of them, and one of the best defenders I've seen in the minor leagues at shortstop. Not going to hit much, but he, he, he's fun. you know. And I think the Marlins don't have many op- options to send there. They weren't going to send Jacob Perry. Uh, they could have maybe sent Khalil Watson, but he was in, kind of marred in a slump. Um, and I think they wanted to reward Nas Nunez who's, you know, worked hard and, and was off to a good start, but he's slowed of late. It's, it's glove and speed. Um, and he's fun and he'll probably make a highlight real play, but you're not going to get much offensively.
0: No, but hopefully he gets on base and he, and he swipes it back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that, that's just what we're looking for. We're looking for a walk and he makes magic happen. Like a highlight every, real play. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a lot of guys that are running rampant in this game. Because uh, they want to show off the wheels, and I think nobody is going to do that more effectively than Nas Nunez if he does get the opportunity to do so.
1: He's made some crazy highlight reel plays this year, though, and he might make a highlight real play up the middle there. Last guy on the infield before we go to the outfield, B.J. Murray, corner infielder, Chicago Cubs. This guy's been kind of one of the underrated uh, performers. I would have liked to see Hayden McGeary. I think Hayden McGeary is is for real. And I'm going to start talking about him a little bit more. I might do a thread on him very soon. McGeary's crazy power. Like I watched that guy, I think go over four with three, 110 mile per hour batted balls. But Damn. when I hear to talk about Hayden McGeary, BJ Murray's are in this too. He's been really solid this year uh, between all in double a actually, which, yeah. is, which is impressive. He's 23 years old. He's, he's produced both, you know, in the, in the power department a little bit. Uh He's been dynamic and playing different positions and, he looks like a solid prospect. He's a patient hitter. He gets on base. And I think Murray's a fun guy that has earned this. And you know, it's good to balance it out with some some BJ Murray's and, and he can swing it, switch hitter too.
0: Yeah. They have a billion shortstops. I was like, I kept on going through the list when we were putting this together. I was like, who's going to play third base? Who's going to play first base? I was like, okay, one of the catchers is going to play first base, but who's going to play third? BJ yeah. Murray's going to play third base. Yeah. So I'm in. You need a third baseman and like, I think this guy has a ton of juice in the tank. You saw, you see, 17 doubles, seven homers in 65 games. Like, you want the homer out to output to be a little bit higher for a guy that's in the futures game, but he, he's got a lot of doubles that like are flirting with leading. Yeah, you know,
1: he hits the ball hard. He hits the ball hard. Um, he's definitely got above average power. So, yeah, it, he's a fun player, and um, it's, I'm, I'm glad he's in the game though. And but I, I'd like to see McGeary, but both very late picks. Murray, 15th rounder, McGeary was somewhere around there too. Uh, marine in the, in the 2021 draft yeah wrapping up with the outfield here and this is just a banger outfield here yeah jackson churio number five prospects preseason coming in i mean i know the numbers may not jump off the page but this is a guy who just turned 19 and is in double a and is holding his own and again had to deal with the southern league bs and has held his own 22 percent k rate is, is the most telling thing to me this kid at 19 years old in the Southern League, only punching out 22% of the time is a great sign. Uh, he's putting the ball on the ground a little bit too much. Although sometimes the contact's a little too weak, but the 90th percentile exit velocity of 107 is fantastic. Uh, the offensive numbers are slightly above average. He's 19. It's really just that simple. He's been swinging it better over the last week or so. You have to have Jackson Troy out this game. He's one of the most exciting names in, in minor league baseball and, Even if the numbers aren't off the charts, you see flashes of it. He's hit some home runs this year that you're like, whoa, he's going to be really, really good.
0: You know, I'm just excited to get a look at him in person in terms of like the physical build. You know, everybody wants to see Jason Dominguez in person to prove that that guy's real. Like Churio, I want to just like prove to myself that this guy's like a real dude that looks like this at 19 years old. You know what I mean?
1: You're, the BP is crazy. Uh, the twitchiness, the bat speed—you're gonna be, you're gonna be wowed by yeah. what he can do. Um, and and I'm excited to see him again in person too. James Wood is another dude. Talk about the build. Like, is I want the first time I saw James Wood, I was like, that's that. I didn't that tall. dude? Like, yeah, that guy's massive. But he he controls himself so well. He controls his body so well. Nationals prospects, big part of that package that came over and what with the Juan Soto deal. Probably could end up being the best piece here. Uh, The numbers are really good. They've come down a little bit in Double A, which okay. He's a six-seven center fielder at 20 years old in Double A. It's remarkable that he's even up there at this point. He is such a special talent. Even if he moves to a corner, I think he can get by in center. But even if he moves to a corner, the power's crazy. Uh, The the field to hit is really good for a guy of his size. I think whiff's going to be a problem. You know, relatively speaking. But man, if he's striking out 28, 29% of the time, that's fine because the power is crazy. the speed is crazy. You're looking at the Aaron Judge starter kit here. I don't, I don't know if the power will be quite as prolific, but I think the field of hit is way more advanced than it was for Aaron judge at this age. I actually I know it is at this age. The approach is fantastic. Um, I'm not saying he's gonna be Aaron judge, but there's those commonalities and the the whiff is palatable when you have the skill set, the power and the tools that Wood has. I have no doubts this guy's going to be a, a very good big leaguer. Uh, I I know that there's some risk with the profile. I'm not as concerned because I, I think this guy's a special talent.
0: So I would tell you that I think I would I would tell you that I think that you know like he's met his level in Double A. I'm like, hey, how concerned are you that he's hitting 229? How concerned are you that he's you know his OPS has dropped 200 points? But he had a 157 WRC plus in High A. I think the version like the struggling version of James Wood that we're seeing right now is like cause for a teensy bit of panic. Like hover your, you know, hand over like the hey, maybe this is the level that he sticks at. He's got a 106 WRC plus. So like the version of a struggling James Wood, like meeting his level, James Wood, is still an above average hitter at his yeah. level. And, yeah. and he's three and a half years younger than the average hitter in double A.
1: Yeah. They're spinning the shit out of him, and that's, you know, he's going to adjust, but they're spinning him like crazy. Last 20 games. He sees, he's seen more sliders than fastballs and he crushes fastballs like crushes. And that's what he was doing in double. And then they adjusted and now they're spinning him. Uh, And I think he'll find a way like he's 20 now seeing advanced breaking balls. he will figure it out. Yeah. Number seven, overall prospect coming into the year and he's not budging from there. Pete grow Armstrong. How about this dude? Um, Cubs have a special one here. I, I I like keep waiting for him to slow down offensively because of how aggressive he is, and he's just not slowing down. Eight forty one OPS in Double A, the best defensive center fielder you'll see. Really, uh, there's a little bit of whiff, but he keeps it in check, and he comes up with clutch hits all the time. He's Electric. I, I, there was some crazy clip where he, he tagged up on a ball that was like ba- barely out of the infield. He scored on a dribbler, basically. I, he, he's so electric. He's a special talent. One of my favorite guests we've had on the show. Pico Armstrong is the epitome of what you need in the futures game. 21 years old, making quick work of double A offensively, which is crazy because his floor is elite defensive center fielder, but the bat keeps proving competitive. And more than that, 841 OPS and double A, despite Still having things to work on in the box, it just cho- it shows you that this guy's just kind of built for it. His
0: thing is like great jumps, but I almost wish like he purposefully doesn't get a great jump on one of these balls and just shows off. Like it, the, the track down speed, the, the closing speed, and then like full extension dive. He can put on a highlight reel. I just want him to get the opportunity to make the highlight play. Because that is the one that you know gets Cubs fans salivating and like burns Chicago down if if
1: this happens in the future. 100 oh, percent. He's so good that I think you could he could like wait one one thousand and then run after exactly. The ball that's what got. I want him to do. It's like oh, misread it, psych. Like let's go get it. I'm I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, if he can chill on the chase rate a little bit, I think that'll help. But again, how do you tell a guy that's hitting around three hundred? Or in the upper two hundreds, and is matched at every level to swing less. It's hard to convince them that. So,
0: uh, That's the thing, man, like one twenty five WRC plus in high A last year, fifty six games in AA, one twenty five WRC plus. Like, I'm not going to tell a one twenty five WRC plus guy that like he needs to make this you know crazy change to his. Change.
1: If, if he struggles, then it's great. You got that thing in your back pocket that it can make you a little bit better instead of having to change your swing or make any crazy adjustments. Yeah. Justin Crawford, Philadelphia Phillies, second to last guy we'll hit on here. Uh, he's been awesome in low a uh, and son of Carl Crawford first round pick a lot of ground balls, but he absolutely flies. He hits the ball harder than I thought he would. He's, he's a really talented player. I'm very eager to see him because I haven't seen anything of him in person. I want to see kind of what that swing looks like, how much impact there is there. That's a batting practice session. I'm definitely going to be tuned into, but 19 years old puts up above average exit velocities, no home runs yet, but a lot of extra base hits and you know, he gets away with a, a really high ground ball rate because of how fast he is. It's a 70% ground ball rate. Uh, that is not going to fly when the defense is better, but he, he's still a really special talent. So I'm, I'm excited to see Crawford uh, in person at this game. And, you know, when you hit 338 in low A as, as a first-round pick in your in your 19-year-old season, you're going to go to the Futures game. I just
0: want to see how fast this motherfucker is. Yeah. like th- That's all I want to do. I just want to see how fast he is. I, I yeah. want to see him... Chances are he's going to put a ball on the ground. <laughs> I want to
1: see him try and beat it out. Yeah. And he probably will, but better infield now we'll see. But yeah, I agree. I, I want to see this dude motor. How many bags is it? 32 for 36 or is he still in yeah, more since then? Uh, let me see. I'll pull up Yankee Fernandez to wrap up as nope, we... we've got, we've got one more guy after that. Do we actually? Yes. Oh yeah, we do <laughs> Yankeel Fernandez though. Justin Crawford is 33 for 37 now. Okay, so he stole one more and he got – yeah, so he stole one more. Um, Yankeel Fernandez, Colorado Rockies. This guy hits the living snot out of the ball. 21 home runs now this year. He's 20 years old and since getting the bump up to double has already hit four homers. (laughs) He's going to strike out. He's been striking out a decent amount, but he's also been walking a good amount. The amount of power that this guy has, if you put him in cores, he's got like – 35 plus home run upside at Coors Field, if he can hit enough. That's the big question. But 80% zone contact looks pretty good. Chase rates are really high. He's extremely aggressive. But his lower half control is remarkable. There was a swing where he was totally fooled in the way he held his back hip, just enough to still be able to pull the ball out of the yard. It was a Jeff Ponce video from Baseball America. I was like, wow. Um, This this guy's special. And he's electric. And he's fun. Um, I I, I know you're excited to see Yankeel Fernandez.
0: I'm very excited. Is he the top prospect in the Rockies system? Tobar graduated. Adele, Amador, Zach, Veen. Amador's Uromo. the top prospect. Amador is the top
1: prospect. Then I think it might be Yankiel.
0: Yeah, especially with Veen being hurt now for the year.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: So I you think, think it he goes be. Amador, Yankiel, Veen,
1: Romo? I think so. Okay. Yankiel has got it like that many. It's the crap. He hit a home run 114 already this year. He just turned yeah, 20. That's, that's a freak show. Last but not least a burner as well. Victor Scott, the second outfielder St. Louis Cardinals underrated guy. That's already stolen. I'm sure it's more now, but by the time we wrote this, it was 50 bags in 66 games. Yeah. What is he at now?
0: Uh, Victor Scott in 71 games, he got the bump to double A is 52 for 59.
1: Yeah. This guy just absolutely burns. He's got extra base hit, you know, gap to gap power doesn't strike out. This is a fun guy to get, be in the game. And, um, just super super fast uh is another dude that i'm just excited to see how much he can fly and uh watch him go if he puts one in the gap
0: so victor scott five games with double a springfield he got the bump prior to last week um six hits in his first five games and in 22 plate appearances he's punched out just five times so he's giving himself the opportunity to use that speed and he was two for two in the stolen base department this week
1: Nice piece for the Cardinals to pick up here and, and super fun uh, with the speed and uh, just enough juice to, to be a decent hitter. So we'll, we'll see how he develops, but I think this is a very underrated prospect. Yep. That'll do it for the national league side of this. And if you miss the American league side, go check out the previous episode. We're going to do a little bit of draft preview for the next episode. And that Mariners uh, farm system rundown as well, that I put a big dent in on that long flight as well. Uh, so, A lot of fun stuff coming up this week. Jack, any final thoughts as we wrap up? I don't think so. Uh, Go National
0: League. If I can get any National League branded apparel at the Futures game, I'm going to do it um, because I'm going to be rooting hard for the National League and my new best friend, Yonkiel Fernandez, who I've never met.
1: Yeah, I think the National League is is an electric ball club. I'm team national as well, Uh, but both are very fun That'll do it. We'll talk to you about the draft and mariner's prospects later this week. So always thank you for listening. Believe a rating, we really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.